SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And good afternoon. Welcome in. It is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid on this Thursday, September the 3rd. We are one week away from the fantasy football season and the NFL season. But boy, if you thought that was the top story today, think again. We have a lot to get to here on this show today, which would include some really good news on the side of the Brooklyn Nets. They have a brand new head coach and a shocking hire out of nowhere. Not a single person reported any of it. In addition to that, unfortunately, we have some Bad news in the world of sports, too, as one of the best pitchers in the history of the game has passed away. That and a whole lot more here on this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Joe, good afternoon. We have a lot to get to, and on this day in particular, not a lot of time to do it. No, it's not. So let's just jump right into it because we have a lot to break down here on the show today. Yeah, we certainly do, and we'll start off with the uh, unfortunate passing of uh, Tom Seaver, who last night, the word came down, passed away at the age of uh, 75 years old. Now, Seaver had had dementia, I know, for a number of years. In fact, uh, you know, walked away from broadcasting and and walked away from being in public life. And certainly uh, our thoughts and prayers are with him. I know that he lived in California and uh, was very involved in wine, lived in Napa, had a chance to meet him a few times as a broadcaster. And certainly uh, the sports world mourns one of the best pitchers of all time and someone we've talked about uh, quite a bit during the summer on this show as well. Not to be uh, outdone with that one was me scrolling on Twitter thinking I was looking at some fake accounts this morning as I saw that Steve Nash was hired as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, that same Steve Nash, Hall of Famer, one of the best point guards of all time, MVP, without a single lick of coaching experience. Like, they hired him over Jason Kidd. Kind of wild, and Brooklyn's in a really good spot, too. So this is something to take a very close look at as uh, as Nash is going to have a press conference, I believe, either later today or tomorrow. I'm very curious about that one and how that happened. How did they, how did they sneak this one past everyone? Interesting. Well, the Miami Heat uh, kind of snuck away last night late in their game against the Milwaukee Bucks, a very wild finish. They take a 2-0 series lead, and at this point, they're the favorites to advance to the East Finals, no doubt. Rockets win Game 7 in Oklahoma City, another crazy game that ended in the last second. Leonard Fournette finds a new home. He is in the uh, Tampa Bay, and so certainly we'll get into that on the show as well. Jamie Newman, the great young quarterback who was going to play at uh, Georgia, has decided to sit out the 2020 season. So JT Daniels, another backup quarterback from USC, is going to get another opportunity again with Georgia this season. And so, uh, Joe, a lot going on here on this sports morning. But I'm always intrigued, especially with a story like Nash, where, where we have so many great reporters all over the world. And in the epicenter of the sports world in New York, you don't have a single reporter talking about Nash getting an interview, talking about him being a possibility. In fact, last week on the show, we did a fantasy reality on Greg Popovich possibly being the head coach <laughs> right. of the Brooklyn Nets. To, to me, this is just, it's wild to think that you could just slide this one past everybody from a reporting perspective. It's sort of unheard of these days. Yeah, I mean, you can only imagine it must be partially due to 
how many things are happening right now. The fact that we are in the NBA playoffs, the fact that you've got people on the precipice of an NFL season covering that and where the media's attention is right now, plus baseball season, plus hockey, plus, plus, plus the death of an icon in New York City yesterday as well. So I think maybe that combination of things, maybe that's why this one kind of slid under, but it was surprising and shocking. I hope he does a great job and he was a great player. I'm sure he's got great basketball insights, great leadership abilities. Nobody's going to question that. So we'll see if Steve Nash can take the Nets to that next level. And, um, you know, speaking of New York too, yesterday was a tough day for the Met fans, especially the Met fans. I think of that 40 and over group of Met fans that grew up with Tom Seaver. And uh, we talk about nicknames and I always joke around this, you know, people with bad nicknames all the time in sports. Now the franchise was a perfect nickname for Tom Seaver because that's what he truly was. And people don't realize the wacky story of how he got to the Mets in the first place. This was a guy who was drafted by the Dodgers, wanted a big signing bonus. The Dodgers told him to stick it. He goes back to Southern California. He plays there, the Braves draft him, but he played two exhibition games. So they said, you don't have amateur status anymore. They got into a big hoo-ha. Major League Baseball commissioner steps in before the lawsuit starts flying and says, hey, three teams, you can go ahead and you can bid on Tom Seaver. And as we're talking here about Tom Seaver, welcome everyone uh, here to Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. And uh, the untimely passing, obviously, never a good time for uh, the passing of an icon, Tom Seaver. So three teams have a chance now, the Phillies, the Indians, and the New York Mets. They all match the Braves' offer, and literally the Mets pull his name out of a hat. And that's how they got Tom Seaver. They got him in a lottery and talk about a winning lottery ticket. One of the great pitchers of all time, the highest at one point in time to hall of fame vote getter. People forget that he was the highest up until a certain point. And um, uh, not only an icon in the world of baseball, but really in New York. And this is one of those losses where we knew he was sick. We knew he was ill. We knew he pulled back from public life, but uh, people have this so many memories of Tom Seaver in a Mets uniform, in a Reds uniform, even in a White Sox uniform as well with that no hitter. So a tough day, I think in the baseball world, but especially in the New York world for Mets fans. Yeah. And, uh, and no doubt we, uh, we will mourn him today. Uh, this, this came down late last night, as a matter of fact, around nine 30, 10 o'clock. And I asked on Mattingly about him in the post game, because certainly Mattingly faced him toward the end of mm-hmm. Seaver's career and just said, what a, what a great guy and, uh, and a gentleman as well. Um, along those lines, in terms of baseball, this was a really big one that I saw today. And the beginning of what I think is the future, not just for baseball, but for people like us here at SportsGrid. The Chicago Cubs announced plans for a sports book at Wrigley Field. Now, again, the Mm. state of Illinois, sports wagering is now legal. So this is something, Joe, that could be happening all over the country. And you want to enhance and have some fun at a baseball game? I think this is a perfect way to do it. Very excited to see this. Yeah, certainly is. Crazy times here. Certainly is. We'll be back with fantasy standouts right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Well, I think that it's uh, time for us to get to our fantasy standouts here on Fantasy Sports Today. And it's a busy day here on the show for us because we have a lot to cover. We even have some NFL news from around the league. A new running back is checking in in Tampa Bay. Another one's being reported as potentially out for week one. So we got plenty to get to in our fantasy football segments coming up a little bit later in the show. But let's go over to the fantasy standouts 
for last night. And uh, Joe, for the first time since Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, you've had a baseball team have back-to-back two players who hit three home runs in consecutive games. That's just, I mean, it's hard to say because it just doesn't happen. So Adam (laughs) Duvall of the Atlanta Braves hit three home runs last night. Marcelo Zuna hit three home runs the night before. By the way, Ozuna hit another one last night too. And Duvall now has eight on the season. Of course, he's not a huge fantasy asset, but worth mentioning for sure. Incredible feat there by the Braves. Uh, Hunjin Roo of the Toronto Blue Jays, six innings pitched, three hits, one earned run. And basically, if you're a left-handed pitcher against the Marlins this year, it's, that's the way to go. He improves to 3-1 and one on the season. You know, Keston Huras had a really quiet, good season at second base for the Brewers, probably because Milwaukee's not playing all that well. He had his ninth home run. And if you extrapolate those numbers at the end of the season, Huras a 30-home run bat in 2021. There aren't a lot of those at second base. Huras probably a top-three second baseman in fantasy next year. No one's talking about him right now. I think his batting average is a little low, but uh, three RBIs for him. Michael Brousseau, not a household name, but again, he's a Ray, so someone you have to pay attention to. Brousseau hit two home runs in his game yesterday. Mike Trout also went deep for the Angels. We have uh, several players who have 13 home runs that lead the league right now, and uh, two RBIs for him. And then Michael Conforto of the Mets led them to a win over the Orioles. He had four hits, and he hit his sixth home run with five runs driven in. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, the players, Joe, that are putting up the numbers this year we just don't talk about. I think here is a great example of that, playing on – sort of a boring team in 2020, one that's probably not going to make the postseason. They may make it, and they have at least one star that gets a lot more attention than him. But quite frankly, in the month and a half that we've been talking baseball here back again, I don't think we've mentioned here his name once. Uh, I think once or twice he was actually on the DFS slate uh, because he's one of our favorite plays because his price never moves. And the irony is that in the minor leagues, this is a guy that hit for a very high average. He was basically saying, hey, uh, a lot of the scouts would say has Kesson here is a kind of guy who's going to win a batting title someday. So this power surge has been fantastic. Uh, I'm fascinated to see if it can hold up over a six month season, as opposed to a 60 game season. We'll find out, but you mentioned him being going into next year, one of the top three second basemen. I mean, you could start to make that argument depending on how he finishes. Maybe he's number two. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's not. I mean, I love Glaber Torres as you know, Altuve still hanging around there. Brandon, Brandon Lowe's having a great season, but to be honest, I mean, Keston here is quietly kind of getting it done. Like you said, he's in a hitter friendly environment. Good for home runs. There's no doubt about that. And I think that is kind of helping a little bit. You look at the road stats and the home stats there in Milwaukee. He's had really good power numbers there, but Keston here is definitely getting it done. And speaking of getting it done too, Yunjin Ryu, who everybody wanted to write off after the first two starts, even in Buffalo, some nights pitching well, pitching well against good pitchers on the other side. Ryu might not be Max Scherzer. He might not be Shane Bieber. But you know what? Ryu is turning out so far to be a pretty good signing and an important one for a rotation that needed somebody at the top of it. And it's very difficult to go out there and you know throw money if you're the Blue Jays at the big, big, big free agent. But you know what? I think they made a good signing here. We'll see how long it lasts. And maybe the back end of this deal isn't a good one. But so far, I think they're getting their money's worth because the Blue Jays right now, Craig, are a relevant team when we consider the baseball playoffs right now. Yeah, no, and, and yeah, the Blue Jays are, are a nice surprise. They, they honestly should have beaten the Marlins uh, on Tuesday, the game that I went to. But Marte hit that home run, and they came from behind. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what I've seen from the Blue Jays for sure. Uh, also impressive this season has been uh, really the diamond in the rough, the rough season for the Diamondbacks, no pun intended. And Zach Gallen has put together uh, 
I mean, let's be honest, the Cy Young season at this point, look at these numbers. He only has one win. We'll get more into that in a second. 1.80 earn run average, 50 innings pitch, 54 strikeouts, 50 innings pitch. Are you kidding me? Leads Major League Baseball. Who had that at the beginning of the year? Not me. Um, 23 starts with three earned runs or less. That is a major league record to start a major league baseball wow. season. And it's, 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 it's just piling up and it's staggering at this point. Before we get into his Cy Young award chances, let's hear from Zach Gallen last night. He was asked specifically about the record that is continuing at the moment. I really didn't have an idea um, until the start of this year. Uh, you know, I was getting tagged in some tweets and stuff like that about it. And then, um, like I said, you know, the last I think interview was like, all right, you know, I know I could get to the NL record's gonna be tough off to, you know, earn it. There's some tough lineups in there. And then same thing, you know, to, to try and get the record and hold the record was, you know, tough. But it was one of those things like, all right, it's within reach. If I go out and do my job, uh, you know, maybe things will take care of themselves. But now, you know, I'm just I mean, my job is to go out there and, and try and have a quality start every time. So if that keeps the record going, it sounds good to me. And and he's got that record, and that's really the important one is 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 the ERA, Joe, and the WHIP. We all know that wins are hard to come by. They traded Archie Bradley, so they brought in this guy Ginkle last night, and he blew it, and that was the end of that. Um, can can a player Joe win a Cy Young with one win? No, oh, that is a great question. Uh, in this day and age, <laughs> I mean, I mean it, this is the only year we're going to have that conversation, right? But. I think he's definitely in the running. And I think in this day and age, you have a more informed person voting who understands the importance of whip and ERA and FIP and all these other secondary stats, because major league baseball and the fantasy community at large has educated the greater population about all this. And you see stack cast and all these other things going on in MLB. So kind of like the Felix Hernandez Cy Young of a few years ago, where his win total was pretty low, but he still got that Cy Young because he was the best pitcher had the strikeout to walk ratio, had all the other, uh, intangibles and secondary stats that you're looking for. I don't know if you can win with one, but my goodness, Zach Gallon is making a case for it right now. And, and it makes me beg this question too. You were always on Zach Gallon going back into last year, going into this season before the pandemic even hit. We had many conversations about him. Why did the Marlins move on from him? Because one of the hardest things to do is find somebody at the top of this rotation. If they thought Gallon could be that guy, what happened here and what was the thought process that they decided to move on from him at so early of a stage while they are rebuilding? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, first, let's also address that the Cardinals did the same thing. But True. that being said, what what has happened, and I think that from the Marlins perspective, it doesn't excuse a trade if it turns out to be bad, by the way. I'm not making an excuse. But the Marlins, as you see now with Sixto Sanchez and Trevor Rogers, and they have a couple more kids in them, they felt like they had nine or ten good starting pitchers. Did they think Gallon was this good? No. That I am sure of. But they thought, okay. And look, maybe we thought this too. He's a three. He's a four. Gotcha. Uh, we have a lot of those. Um, we have no offensive players. None. And, Joe, look at the offensive players the Marlins have called up this year. Has Monte Harrison performed? No. Has Jesus Sanchez performed? No. Has Lewin Diaz performed? No. And now it's Jazz Chisholm's turn. Uh, turn. He's the player that they got in that deal. 
Right. All of their young hitters, Joe, have not fared well. Lewis Brinson's in that category or two. You could even put Isan Diaz. They were so desperate to get a position player of value yeah. with upside that that's why they made the deal. So yeah. it may end up looking bad. There's no doubt. At this point, of course it does. We're seeing the results of Gallon. We haven't seen Chisholm play all but one game. It's a fair question and a good one because Gallon could be another ace, but they felt at the time they really needed to upgrade that offense, and that's the reason why. And that's, yeah, that's why look, they did it. I, I understand that thought process for sure. And you know, speaking of young aces too, another great start last night from Tristan McKenzie, who went six innings against the Royals, who I just looked, he is 70% <laughs> uh, free agency out there. So he's only like 30-something percent owned out there in most leagues in terms of roster percentage. So let me tell you right now, Tristan McKenzie is a real talent. Another guy in this Cleveland system who just keeps producing pitcher after pitcher. They're becoming like the new Rays, I feel like, at this point. And if you haven't picked him up yet, he's still available on a waiver wire. Or if you're in a dynasty league and somehow this guy's available, please go run to the waiver wire and pick up Tristan McKenzie. Not only is he fun to watch, but he looks like he's that next guy in line. Uh, of what happens seems like, I don't know, every week that the Indians show you a new pitcher that you get excited about. It's crazy. Yeah, it reminds me of, of uh, Oakland for those years where they just kept bringing yeah. up guys pitching well, too. Um, all right, we got the tip drill coming up next and Chris's update. Then we'll touch on some fantasy football news. So stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Greg. We're looking forward to the NBA games tonight. Of course, anytime one of the LA squads is on the court, it uh, certainly is interesting. Before we get to a little smoke or fire, Joe, uh, let's touch on the top uh, fantasy football story of the day, which is Leonard Fournette signing a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And boy, I got to tell you, there is just some real varying opinion on, on this signing. Initially, when I saw it, I thought, okay, well, this is probably the best spot that he could have ended up in. And then I go online and I see virtually every fantasy football analyst saying it is the worst spot that he could end up in. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about on this one because it looked to me like the Buccaneers don't really have any bona fide stars there and, and that he could eventually now again, not at the beginning, but he could eventually work his way into maybe a, a starting role or, or maybe a 20 carry role. I don't think he's ever going to get the workload that he would have gotten in Jacksonville. I mean, that's, that would be silly to think. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I just, I, I'm, I guess I'm a little in the middle here and I'm guessing most people on fantasy football draft, they are going to be feeling in the middle on him now as well. I mean, most people, well, some people drafted, but those who still have yet to draft, where, where, where is the, where is the round now for, for him at this point? <laughs> well, the round depends on the format, depends on the number of teams and the, you know, it's somewhere in the third, I think is probably a good inner 12 team league as a, again, uh, an RB two, which is where he was actually. It's funny because this signing, yes, look, he, here's what happened yesterday. A lot of fantasy football analysts out there wanted to cover their rear ends because they had all these hot takes about how Leonard Fournette is done and all these things. And now they had to cover themselves wherever he ended up. And it was still no good because they all released videos and podcasts and all these things talking about how Leonard Fournette was done. And no, he's not going to get the same volume that he got in Jacksonville, but that's okay because in Jacksonville, almost nobody besides Derrick Henry had more stacked boxes against him than Leonard Fournette. Nobody took more hits in the backfield last year than Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette 
can still get 20 carries and all of a sudden be way more efficient anyway. He doesn't have to get 25 in order to be good. And this is a guy that showed he can catch the football. And listen, for the Ronald Jones stuff out there right now, please. Look, Bruce Arians is doing his job as a football coach to make Ronald Jones feel good about himself. Ronald Jones started only nine of 16 games anyway last year. Ronald Jones's career has one 100-yard game. You know what it was? Week 17, where everybody stops playing defense. It was an overtime game against the freaking Falcons who don't tackle anybody. So please, save me your Ronald Jones things. Save me your he's our guy nonsense. You always say, Craig, don't pay attention to the coach. Listen to the money. Well, $3.5 million later, Leonard Fournette is in Tampa. And uh, it looks like Bruce Arians and the Bray and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, excuse me, have basically collected all the free agents that they possibly could. And uh, I, I think this is an excellent signing for them. I think Fournette's going to be terrific. And I have no doubt that he is going to be a solid running back too on most fantasy rosters. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree at all with that, but I do think that uh, he did land in a good spot. Um, but, well, let's but, play uh, but I, do you like him more than Melvin Gordon in his situation with Philip Lindsay in the Broncos? Um, mm, it's close. Do you close. like him more than Todd Gurley? Well, I mean, come on. That's, that's, I'm that just, doesn't I'm say anything. The game. I'm playing the game because these are the RB twos. Do you like him more uh, than Devin I, Singletary? I, I, I definitely, I definitely do like him more than Gurley, but I, but I, you're talking about a guy that I wouldn't take at all. So it's, right, that's hard these, to say. This is what you're looking at in running back to Montgomery already on the shelf. Another guy. I know you are not a big fan of. So this is why I preach go hit running back early and often. Cause you can get Aaron Jones or Kenyon Drake or somebody like that as your RB two. And you double up, you don't have to have this conversation with yourself in your roster and your draft. But if you are going to draft a wide receiver in the second round or Travis Kelsey in the second round, then guess what? These are the conversations you have to have. And those are the dudes at the top of RB two, no matter who's telling you what RB two looks like, that's just the names at the top of that board at RB two. And you're talking about Devin Singletary and some other guys like that as well. So right. I'd rather Taylor, have Singletary for sure though. I'd rather have Singletary than Fournette. He doesn't yeah. have nearly I'd, I'd the rather. touchdown equity that Fournette's going to have in that offense. Just saying. Didn't Fournette had three man. And for the Jaguars with Gardner Minshew playing quarterback, let's let's, what did he have the year before? Not three. No, no, there's no possible way Leonard Fournette is catching 75 balls this year. It's, it's no, not happening. Not, but he doesn't have to. If the touchdowns come up and the receptions go down and marginalized, that's, you're still well, that's, that's a very true. If team. they do, that's true. If they do, I, I don't know. I, I think that you're still a little too bullish on him. And look, you have to be okay. if that's your opinion on it. Um, I think he, well, he takes a significant hit. It's my opinion. Yeah, based I, on the I field think of it's a massive hit, but but again, it could have been worse. Uh, you know, he could have ended up with no one, and he could have ended up in a bad spot. And none, and neither of those two things happened. Will he have relevant weeks this year? In my opinion, of course he will. But but why did they draft Keyshawn Vaughn? Keyshawn Vaughn was a star in college. I, I mean, I would assume he's going to be part of this in some way. No, why did they draft I don't know. him? I mean, hey, look, Ronald Jones' rookie season wasn't really good either. Uh, let's not forget that. Then he got no, but too. Bruce Arians was not in the draft room. You know, it's a well, different guy. Dirk if, Cutter was. If, if looking at right now, they're all in. If you don't think, and look, this is just my opinion. I believe that Leonard Fournette gives you the best chance to win football games. I'm sure Tom Brady agrees with that sentiment. I'm sure the Bucks at the top of their front office agrees, and that's why they're paying him 3.5, which is the max they can pay him. Leonard Fournette's in a free agent contract too. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of demand for the football to a certain extent, whatever so, you get. So what do you got his numbers Connor at? Or Leonard let's, let's Fournette. That's another thing. question you have to ask yourself. 
Let's put it in ink. What what are his numbers at the end of the season? Uh, I'll give me some time to do that. And uh, I, I'm okay. not a big projectionist guy. I'm a relative value guy. And I'm talking about Gurley, Connor, Chris Carson. That's your grouping with Melvin Gordon of guys in RB2. And Leonard Fournette is in a pretty good offense in a spot where they're going to be able to throw the football aggressively. He is not going to see nearly the same kind of looks that he saw last year. He can get 15 to 20 carries and still be very efficient with those in this scenario. And I think come close to the fantasy point production just in a different way. Maybe not with the receptions, but again, more with the touchdowns and more efficiency factors. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we're not going to see it the same way. I would have, I would have preferred him in Jacksonville. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I just, I can't even come close to, to that, but all right. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here on the show. When we come back next, Emery Hunt joins us to talk a little JK Dobbins and Henry Ruggs. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia with you here. And our next guest is one of the best football minds out there and college football minds as well. You probably know him. He's the czar of the playbook. He's the owner of Football Game Plan. He's the one, the only, Emery Hunt. Emery, welcome to the program, my friend. It is so good to see your face and to talk some football with you today. I appreciate you, as always, for having me on, man. Good to see you as well. All right. So look, I got, I'm going to put you on the spot here because you're my friend and I love you. So I'm going to put you on the spot to begin with here with this college football season. Now we're going to get NFL. That was always a foregone conclusion. Do you think that where we're headed right now with the college game, that these organizations, these universities are making the right call, the wrong call? How do you see this shaping up? Or is this the inevitable conclusion of a spring season or a winter season of college football? Or do you think things are going to go as planned in the fall here for some of these leagues? The best answer I can give you is that I don't know. You hope for the best, but you Mm -hmm. prepare for the worst, and you hope the worst never comes because in this situation, the worst could end up meaning death, and you don't want that to happen out there. But you hope that, you know, with testing evolving, remember how we were when this thing first started when there was only one way to test and we didn't know too much about how the virus was transmitted. And as we went along during the weeks and months, we found out more information, and it has become more Uh, accessible to get tests and more accessible to um, stop the spread of the virus. So you hope those protocols continue as you move forward. So to be honest, it's a day-to-day approach, a a week-to-week approach when you're talking about college football and college athletics, because you have that whole college aspect of it to where you have to depend on people on campus doing the right things. And you can't even get people in this country to decide on the right thing. (laughs) And let alone college students, we all were 17 to, you know, 22 years old at one point in time. And you know how it can go in one ear and out the other. Young yes. people do feel invincible. Uh, but you you hope that things can go on according to plan. But you really have to be honest with yourself and honest with what's going on by saying it's a day to day, week to week thing. So anytime you can get a practice complete without any hiccups, great Anytime you get a game complete without any hiccups, we saw one last week with Central Arkansas and Austin P. great. I think you just got to celebrate those victories like that as opposed to trying to look ahead and project and forecast what, what could potentially happen. You know, as an athlete yourself, do you think that you would feel comfortable in 
this environment playing? Or are you somebody that maybe would have wanted to opt out? And uh, again, I, I think these are important conversations because it's it's great to talk to people who actually were in a position of having to possibly make a decision like this instead of other people making decisions for them. I always like to ask the people themselves how they feel. I know a lot of athletes have actually said, hey, we'd rather be in a controlled environment like this college environment. But you're also saying, and, and I agree with you to a certain extent as well, that Hey, you know, young kids do stupid things <laughs> in one ear and out the other. And it's only when we get old <laughs> that we kind of understand and have better perspectives. So do you think as a college athlete yourself, uh, not that long ago, that you feel comfortable in this environment playing the game? And again, these guys aren't getting paid at the end of the day. It's tough for me now as a 39-year-old to, to go back and, and think of what I would have done in that situation. Because you have to remember, if you're a student athlete, there's a lot of factors weighing into right. every decision that you make, you know man, if my teammates are doing it, I don't want to be the outcast. I also don't want to be made an outcast. I don't want to upset coach. I want to play, but is it safe? I don't want to harm, you know, maybe if I'm asymptomatic, that's fine, but you don't want to go back to your family and then put them in danger. So I can't even begin to say what I would have done as an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, uh, with this 39-year-old perspective. So it's tough to answer that question, to be honest. Wow, that's, and that's why I like talking to you, man, because I know you always give the honest answer, just like me, for better or worse. We're <laughs> honest fellows. <laughs> Sometimes that does, people don't like that all the time, but uh, I respect that, and that's, again, why I always like talking to you. So let, let's talk some players. Let's talk some fantasy. We'll have some fun here. Enough of the serious talk. We'll kind of move away from that. And I know in terms of you know evaluation of players, you mean nobody sees more college football than you. You're one of those guys who's right tied into it. So I want to ask you about a couple guys and kind of get your take on not only their transition here in redraft leagues in their first year in the league as rookies, but also maybe long-term assets as well. And let's start with J.K. Dobbins, who's getting a lot of buzz right now out of Baltimore. And there's a lot of questions whether or not, you know, hey, is he going to really push Ingram? And we've seen in the past, even just last year, oh, Justice Hill's going to, you know, push Mark Ingram out. Well, it didn't happen. Everyone's always trying to get rid of Mark Ingram. Is Dobbins the guy to do it finally? And is he going to do it this year? Or is this just a learning curve year for Dobbins in this offense with the Ravens? I think all of those things can be true because Dobbins is such a tremendous player. You look at what he brings to the table. He has explosiveness, great vision. He got better every year at Ohio State. I thought this past season was his best because you saw the vision, you saw the patience, you saw the explosiveness, and I thought he got in better football shape than opposed to when he was first there at, at Ohio State. I thought he played a little bit heavy mm -hmm. earlier in his career. He got in better shape and had better results. So I can see him being a complete uh, jack of all trades in the run game, also out of the backfield as a, as an outlet receiver. He gives them some options. He's a better fit for what they want to do than Justice Hill was last year, which is why they went ahead and addressed that position mm. this year in the draft to get someone that can co-pilot with Ingram while slowly taking over Ingram um, in, in that role. Because to be honest, it was Mark Ingram. The reason why they went out and got Mark Ingram because they didn't have any burst in the backfield. I know they had a lot of yards with uh, Gus Edwards, but he's not explosive. So they right. went ahead and got Ingram. He was the explosive guy. They wanted to continue to add that with Justice Hill, but he's not the natural runner that no. Ingram is. So now they found a guy that's just like Ingram, but younger, a little bit more apt to do more things in the passing game, and J.K. Dobbins. All right, so let's talk about Cam Akers, who has a clearer path. And Dobbins, at least, it would seem so. Henderson having that injury in camp early on for the Rams. Cam Akers, another guy with a really good college career, great resume here, and a great opportunity, perhaps a better opportunity, to kind of come out of the gate week one with the majority of the carries. I guess the question is, do you think he's going to just run away with this job? Is it a foregone conclusion that Akers and this guy, and does he have the ability in year one 
to kind of pull away as the true number one in this offense. Because I think even last year, you see they would limit Todd Gurley a little bit, and I think it hurt them overall. Gurley's a guy that needs to touch the ball more, and they kind of limited him, especially in the passing game. Can Akers kind of not become Todd Gurley, but can he become the true number one in this Rams offense in 2020? I don't think he could become the true number one because you still have Daryl Henderson there mm-hmm. on the roster. And if he's healthy, he's the better back. Okay. And that's just being, you know, straight up honest. When you look at what Akers brings to the table, I compared his game coming out of college to Alvin Kamara. Akers is more of a guy that can be solid on both ends, you know, as a receiver and also as a runner. He doesn't need volume to be uh, to be productive. But when you look at Henderson's sole asset as a running back, he has a game-breaking element to his game. So, it doesn't take long for him to really rip off a long run. This is a guy that averaged almost nine yards a carry his last year at Memphis. So you can't just push that to the side. And they drafted him last year for a reason, just like they drafted Akers this year for a reason. I think in their offense, both guys have a great opportunity to really feed off one another. But you also can't forget about Malcolm Brown being sandwiched in there because obviously they like him because he's still around and they were giving him carries at one point in time, uh, you know, when Curly wasn't as healthy as he had been. So I wouldn't be too ready to crown Akers. Right now he's getting valuable reps in practice, which is great. That right. helps shorten the learning curve. But for, for him, and especially in his offense, it'll be about pass pro. And we know what he can do in a passing game as a receiver, but can he you know, be apt in as far as blitz pickup and those things? Uh, and also with Henderson coming back to full strength, whenever that may be, can both guys coexist? I think both guys can coexist because they both don't need volume to be successful. All right, let's talk about the wide receiver position here and transition a little bit. And uh, I don't think a lot of people thought that Henry Ruggs was going to go as the first wide receiver taken. A lot of people were very excited about the talent, but obviously the Raiders were more excited than most with what he could potentially do in this offense. Now, with Tyrell Williams out for the year, there might be a little bit more pressure or maybe a little bit more of a need for Ruggs to kind of show out early on. In your opinion, is Ruggs up to this challenge? I think so. To me, Ruggs compared favorably to Joey Galloway and what he was able to do from a speed perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, he can take a short pass a long way. He can beat you deeper down the field. I love what they did in the draft, bringing on Brian Edwards as well, um, teaming those guys up with Hunter Renfro and what they already have on a roster. Nelson Aguilar is a guy that to keep an eye on because he can play all three positions, but probably ideally suited to thrive inside as a slot receiver as well. Um, so I think this passing game will be a lot better. Ruggs can be what they want him to be. He can also play multiple positions across the, the perimeter. Um, but well, that think- was my question actually for you, Emery, because how do you see them lining up? Do you think Ruggs is the slot guy or is Renfro the slot guy and Ruggs on the outside? And I know he's versatile, but who do you think of the best spot potentially for him to be in 2020 is in your opinion? Well, I, I just think it, it depends on the matchup. Okay. Sometimes you may have a slower slot guy. Um, and the best matchup may be to put Ruggs inside on that slot gotcha. guy. Uh, so that's the beauty of having versatility because you can really go into a game and strictly focus on matchups and, and make sure you essentially make sure your uh, offense positionless. So you want to get to a point where your offense and your defense is positionless. And I think when you have guys that can do more than one thing, you're trekking in the right direction. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick hit to and a look at Jerry Judy and a guy who was at a lot of the board, very top at wide receiver. A lot of people going into draft day, he was ended up selected by obviously the Denver Broncos. And it's funny, I got a question actually today on Twitter. Somebody asked me, you know, in a dynasty league, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Judy 
or CD Lamb. You know, CD Lamb's right there with the Cowboys now. Obviously, maybe a better opportunity this year with better quarterback play. Obviously, maybe in the next couple of years too. Drew Locke, we'll see what he becomes. Some some decent outings from him later in the season last year. But this is tough because I love Judy. I love Lamb. I love these two guys. But if you had to pick one, and a lot of people are in those rookie drafts this year, who would you want on that dynasty team? Who is the guy that you think is going to have the best next three years of a career potentially? I would probably say it would go towards C.D. Lamb because he has a better quarterback uh, and Dak Prescott, who's playing. Good, because that's what I answered to the guy. So now I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because Dak Dak Prescott, and even though I like Drew Locke, but you also look at what Locke has that, you know, the Cowboys don't have. Locke has a very good explosive tight end. They also have multiple weapons at receiver. And when they get K.J. Hamler back healthy, that's another option out there. They still have Deshaun Hamilton. They have... Tim Patrick, who that team likes. They also have Cortland Sutton, who's their bona fide number one. So they have a ton of options. They also are able to dump the ball out in the backfield to both Melvin Gordon and also Phillip Lindsay. So the Broncos are not devoid of talent on that on that roster. And I think when you look at Dallas, you can clearly see a path defined for C.D. Lamb to, to get his consistent you know, looks and targets and, and be able to have success. I think that would be the better bet because it's clearly defined for him. Not a lot of mouths to feed, so to speak, but also better quarterback. Now, the name on everybody's radar this year is Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this Kansas City offense. Give me your take on this. Is it just as easy as, yeah, Andy Reid's got a great track record. Yeah, it's a great offense. Yeah, put him in the first round. Or are you skeptical a little bit that people might be overrating him a little bit at this point? I know I was super excited. I love the dude in college. I think he's ready to go. But it's so tough when you don't have a preseason. You don't get to see anything with your eyeballs, even though preseason's overrated too. So give me your two cents here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, is he ready to become that big-time fantasy back that everybody thinks right now that he is right now, year one? Yeah, absolutely. This was an easy choice for me. When you look at what he does well, he does everything well. Running from a traditional running back sense, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. People love saying that as if running backs run routes 80% of the time. The most important part of your job as a running back is being able to run the football, and he does that. It's funny that people are always knocking running backs going in the first round, but when you watched Kansas City last year, as much success as they had, you always thought to yourself, man, if Kareem Hunt was on this team, no, that's really what I thought. <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> and so what they did do, they went out and drafted a running back in the first round. So it tells you that they saw the same things, mm-hmm. and they got a great one, I believe, in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Well, we got a great one here with Emory Hunt as always. And it's funny because Emory, I'm drafting Kareem Hunt everywhere this year too, because I think he's going to be good regardless of whatever role they give him. And then on top of that, if something, God forbid, should happen to Chubb, all of a sudden Hunt becomes a top five running back again. So I got to tell you, man, I'm with you hundred percent and I'm excited about Hilaire. I'm excited about football. I'm happy that we're getting closer to it. Uh, you can go follow Emory over on Twitter at F ball game plan and go check out all his work. And Emory, you're going to be calling games in the spring, I believe as well. Correct. Yeah, right now, hopefully, knock on wood, you still have, we have the MEAC coming back in the spring, so you'll see me on some Morgan State games. Excellent. Uh, you'll see me on some PSAC games, which is Division II Conference up in Pennsylvania. So let's, if we're able to get football in the spring, you'll see me on your ESPN threes. And, and there you other- go, baby. Excellent. All right, more fancy sports today right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
It's Thursday baseball in DFS. And for those of you who are wagering as well, Scott Farrell coming up a little bit later on. And we have in-game live updating you on everything here on sportsgrid.com. Got to make sure you check out our YouTube channel as well. Sports Grid Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, giving you sports wagering advice, fantasy sports advice, having a little fun along the way as well. Speaking of fun, we're going to have fun with a two-pitcher slate today and picking out a couple of them for us is Joe Pizapia on FanDuel with a future Hall of Famer and a guy whose future is uncertain because he's on a new team starting tonight. Joe, who do we got? Well, look, uh, I think you're going to keep it simple in the cash tonight. You're going to pay up for Clayton Kershaw because the Arizona Diamondbacks are punting on this year. I think we know this. The bullpen is not good. They traded arguably their best player in Starling Marte. Zach Gallen can pitch to a zero ERA and somehow still find a way not to get a W. So I'm going to troll the Diamondbacks and I'm going to use Clayton Kershaw tonight. Uh, I would also look at Mike Clevenger too at 9.4. Some people might be a little afraid of him. Oh, for a start, all this. No, no, don't be afraid. Clevenger is going to be fine. Clevenger already showed you he was stretched out anyway. So uh, going at this one, 9.4 against the Los Angeles uh, Angels of Anaheim. Uh, seems like a pretty good investment. I think the roster percentage will be lower than people anticipate because it is his first start as a Padre, but the Padres have been great. Aloya Menez, the bat you want to pay up for, 3.8 uh, at Kansas City. Uh, that's a, a good right-handed bat against the left-hander Danny Duffy tonight. And Austin Nola in that Padres lineup going back to that game. You're looking for some salary relief. You got Cronenworth around 3.2, 3.3. Austin Nola, 2.8. Uh, Nola might be hitting fifth in that lineup today, too, so keep an eye on that. That's a good spot. Uh, against Andrew Heaney today. So that is your FanDuel DFS slate for uh, what's today? Jeez, is it Thursday already? <laughs> it, it is Thursday. It is Labor Day weekend uh, for us. Yeah. By the way, for those of you who watch this show, it'll be the uh, best of show on Monday, and then we'll be right back here on Tuesday getting ready for the first week of the NFL season, first week really of the college football season as well. Uh, but we got to take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports today. Coming up next, we'll go over all the headlines. The Philadelphia 76ers, in addition to the Brooklyn Nets, have a new head coach. So we'll get to that as well as tell you what you should be doing on Fantasy Football Draft Day. If you have the third pick in your draft, don't go away. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 